The truth is that if, if we're doing our jobs effectively as instructors, that's entirely placing the client's needs ahead of our own. We each have an innate need to want to sympathize, to want to offer our sympathies whenever someone suffers a loss or a stressful period of time emotionally. But the long-term consequence of that is that we blur those lines. Then the goal is making sure that you know the client well enough to understand what is going to be most conducive to getting her through a really productive workout. That's when an instructor really is showing his or her mettle when they're able to put the client's needs ahead of their own. Hey, Inform Nation, can you believe it? We are already at episode 28 of the Inform Fitness Podcast, 20 minutes with New York Times bestselling author Adam Zickerman and friends. I'm Tim Edwards with the Inbound Podcasting Network, and I'm a client of Inform Fitness. And in just a moment, we'll hear from the founder of Inform Fitness, Adam Zickerman. Sheila Melody, the co-owner of the Toluca Lake location, is back with us. And still on vacation is Mike Rogers. Looking forward to having Mike back with us next week as we interview one of his clients from the Manhattan location, Gretchen Rubin. Next week's episode is bound to be one of our most popular episodes, and I'll explain that at the end of this one. Also at the end of the show... I will remind you of our May 2017 contest exclusively for Inform Nation. That's you. We have a really cool prize pack valued at over 200 bucks. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Remember that voice you heard at the top of the show? That was Inform Fitness trainer slash instructor Joshua Cagney from the Reston, Virginia location. Joshua also happens to be a clinical psychologist, which is why Adam invited him to join us here on the psychology of the trainer-client relationship. Now, sometimes, after a period of time, those who are being trained become so comfortable with their trainers, they might start to share some intimate details of their life, and the trainer, in essence, becomes their therapist. So, where do we draw the line? Can this type of relationship actually help or hurt the progress of your strength training? Let's join the conversation with Joshua Cagney, Adam Zickerman, Sheila Melody, and myself, with the psychology of the trainer-client relationship. So this conversation, first of all, I've had this conversation with Josh in person, our resident clinical psychologist slash exercise instructor. We were talking about, I was there giving a certification course, and many times when I'm talking to trainers, we talk about how to motivate, how to inspire, how to keep people on track, how to make them feel that, I know this is hard, but you can do it anyway and, and stick with it. And during that conversation, we were talking about the relationships that develop over time and that there is definitely a psychology involved in, in maintaining these relationships and motivating your clients. Then lines start getting blurred. And I hear very often, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, and maybe it's a pet peeve of mine because I've been doing this for 20 years now and I've seen the damage, I guess. And the pet peeve is when I hear that, you know, you're more like my therapist, the client would say. You know, I come here and it's like a, a therapy session or the trainer would say, I feel like I'm a therapist sometimes or I act like therapists. People come to me, they have talked about their problems, they lay it all on me, they can tell me things that they can't tell anybody else and I get all that. But when I hear that, the hair on the back of my neck goes up a little bit. And again, maybe it's because of my 20 years experience. And the reason the hair goes up on the back of my neck is that just because there's a psychology involved in, in, in motivating and working with your clients 
doesn't mean that we're psychologists. And that's when Josh said, unless you are a psychologist. (laughs) 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 And I I realized uh, that Josh is not only exercise instructor, which is what I was talking to him as, uh, but I then realized that he's actually a clinical psychologist. (laughs) That's great. And uh, so I guess that doesn't apply to him. I mean, he is a psychologist when he's (laughs) dealing with psychology of training clients. And we have to be careful both as client and trainer to make sure we're not blurring those lines and that instructor doesn't get all full of himself or herself thinking that they can actually solve these people's problems. And I think that the client themselves needs to know what their boundaries are as well. And as much as you connect to your trainer, as much as you appreciate your trainer, as much as you this trainer builds you up, not just physically, but mentally, as much as all that happens, they're not your therapist. And the reason this is important to me and the reason the hair goes up on the back of my neck is because we end up, both client and instructor, we end up not doing our jobs. What I find happens is during the exercise session, there's a lot of chit-chat going on. There's a lot of wasted time, and the workout suffers. It's a 20-minute workout, and there's no way you can be a therapist and a trainer in 20 minutes. So then you lose a client, and this is where my 20 years experience comes in. What ends up happening is one day the client wakes up and says, what the hell am I going there for? You know, I'm getting bored. Uh, I'm not feeling the results. I'm feeling a plateau. It's becoming a chore to go there. Maybe the time before that, the quote-unquote therapist trainer said something they didn't like, the way therapists sometimes do, (laughs) (laughs) right? And then now you got your patient not wanting to come back anymore when they weren't your patient in the first place, (laughs) you know? They were your client. They were your person that you're supposed to train. And now that they don't like you as their therapist anymore, they don't want to come back, (laughs) Mm. you know? So it's a slippery slope. And uh, if you've been a trainer long enough, You've been there. And if if you're listening to this and you're not a trainer, but you're a client of a trainer, and if you've been doing this for any amount of time, you might also relate to this trap that we we tend to fall into. And if you're listening to this and you've never hired a trainer, when you do, or if you do, this is an important thing to keep in mind. So Joshua, being both an instructor and a clinical psychologist, am I making sense? Am I right? I I think you are absolutely right. I mean, from, from a clinical perspective, one of the things that is important for a therapist to understand is that we each specialize in something that's unique, okay? So if, if I specialize in trauma-based therapy, it does not mean that I'm a good marriage counselor. It doesn't make me a good family counselor. And, and the inverse is true, okay? So when we look at what the specific goal is for any kind of relationship that we have with a client, we need to keep that goal premier in mind when we develop that relationship. Those blurred lines come to play when, based on vulnerability in the relationship that you built, right? And, and this is something that you commonly see in a clinical environment when you're dealing with long-term therapy, where clients will be opening themselves up in ways that make them vulnerable, exposed, and it's very easy to misassociate or misassign feelings that a client will have towards a therapist based on that vulnerability. Okay? And being in the studio isn't a whole lot different in that regard. 
You know, you're, you're in physically compromising positions. You're in incredibly intense situations under a lot of physical and emotional stress. So you feel incredibly vulnerable for that 20, 30, 40 minutes at a time. So the net result is that people tend to feel, when they're working out, open and extremely emotional and extremely anxious and extremely stressed at different points. And the one person that they have contact with is their strength trainer their instructor. So it, it's easy for those lines to get very blurry and it's absolutely critical for the strength training instructor to be in a position where they have clear boundaries and clear guidelines about what's appropriate, what's not, and, and leading that relationship. So I, I think that you're actually really on target. I, I think that's pretty insightful. Whether it's 20 years of experience or whether it's something you're able to impart to people, it's important. Well, speaking from the client's perspective, as a client of Inform Fitness, it's a, like you mentioned, Josh, it's a very intimate relationship and connection with that trainer. Like you said, we're vulnerable, we're hitting muscle failure, but also the environment at Inform Fitness is conducive to building that relationship with your trainer because it's not a crowded gym. It's a very private one-on-one uh, situation, and so I guess it's incumbent upon the trainer to manage where those lines are, where that blurred line stops. It, it is important. And it, those boundaries, again, they, they're not always very clear. And, and there are certainly things that are critical for the client and the trainer to both bear in mind. Ultimately, that is what is contributory and what is conducive to achieving the goal that my client is here for in the first place. Mm -hmm. if, if you have a client who walks in after having been thrown out by their spouse the night before, they're not going to be in a position, chances are, to, to exercise. Okay, So that may be an appropriate time to, to say, you're just not ready for today, and that's all right. Uh, you know, take, take a day, take as much time as you need to put yourself in a position where you're ready to focus. But that's part of the boundary, not saying, please talk to me about what it is that's going on and how can I help but instead staying focused on the goal and supporting the client back to what the real mission is at hand. Yes, people come in and, and they may have gone through something or they maybe have just received a very disturbing email or a phone call or something like that, but they want to continue on their schedule because it helps them to stay feeling normal. I have had people come in and they're not revealing to me what happened, but then when you in the middle of the workout, you're in that really intense position. And then, you know, after a couple times of exerting that, they can't hold it in anymore. And then just cry, you know, like they start crying because they cannot hold that emotion in anymore because you're letting all that, you know, energy go. So, um, this workout as, is definitely, it brings out, it definitely yeah. for me, and, and I've seen it with others, it doesn't, it definitely, brings out your emotions. It's an mm -hmm. emotional experience. Right. Intensity. So we have to be prepared. if you have prepared. something going on in your life, like you just mentioned, Sheila, right. that's going to kind of pull it right on out. We do need to be prepared to deal with situations like that. And, you know, understanding the difference between being a therapist and just being encouraging or being able to tell the difference of this person shouldn't be working out right now, you know, and there's, and then sometimes just quietly allowing them to move to the next exercise and get through it. You know, we've had people say, thank you so much. You know, like, for instance, after the last election, it was very emotional for a lot of people. 
And some people came in the day after. Especially over there in L.A. Yeah, especially in L.A. (laughs) And it was like, you know, we just took people through. And they were all saying, thank you. Thank you for helping me to do something good for myself, even though I'm really upset right now. But Mm -hmm. maybe maybe because in, in L.A., Everybody already has a therapist. <laughs> and that's probably true. It's very different than here in Washington, D.C., where everyone needs a therapist. <laughs> yeah, right. For somebody that's been working out at Inform Fitness for quite some time, say with one trainer in particular, and that you can't help but have that relationship, Bill. You're seeing that person every single week. You're vulnerable with them. There is a little bit of time between some of the machines and the exercises. And a good trainer, I believe, will find their their clients' interests and use those interests to motivate them through these exercises. And so there's a connection that's made there. And as in any relationship, it grows, there's ebb and flow. But do you think after a certain period of time where it gets too comfortable, maybe it's okay or you should shift to a different trainer mm. to kind of uh, uh, mix it up a little bit or start over again? What do you think about that? I I think that that's a healthy question to ask, but I I think there is no one-size-fits-all answer. You know, this is really entirely dependent upon what the client is like, what their disposition is, what their needs and goals are, and then what the what the trainer is able to give them. Okay, so when we're when we're talking about someone who's developing a relationship and, and a degree of trust, that's not really something that's easily transferable to another trainer, mm-hmm. okay, because we personalize that. They, so outside of that, when you're looking for what's going to ultimately be the most enhancing component of a relationship for a specific client, maybe it is breaking away from that personal relationship and creating something that's much more concrete and core. Now, when you're a sole practitioner and you don't work for a company like Inform Fitness and you're the trainer, it's hard to give them to somebody else, one of your colleagues, and kind of swap out. So that's true. You know, that's not even always an option. But, Particularly if your income is based on yeah. Yeah. client retention. And that's so. where what you mentioned earlier before, Josh, where the mindfulness of knowing when to speak, when not to speak, what to say, what not to say. If they're coming in with a very emotional state. Uh, it reminded me of a client that I have who whose sister passed away. Yeah. And she's a client for a year. And when I first met her, her dog had passed away. And I, re- I remembered how as soon as I brought it up with her, how how you doing with the dog and and you know she'd get all teary eyed and 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 the workout kind of suffered so now her sister passes away mm. about a year later and I knew better this time okay. so it was interesting how I didn't say anything to her now here's somebody's sister dies she comes for her workout and I don't I don't even give her a hug like hey sorry because I just know how that sets her off and it might have seemed insensitive but. I think she really appreciates it because we go, she comes in, we go in there, we work out. I don't say much and she leaves and every once in a while, you know, we'll talk after the workout and I'll say next week and we'll talk about the future plans and stuff like that because we are friendly. And, you know, she says, well, I'm not quite ready for this or that, she'll say. I've had a tough year. She knows I know what she's talking about, yet I've never even sent her a condolence. I know, I see it in her eyes when she looks at me when we talk about these things, that she appreciates the fact that I'm not talking about it. Yeah. You know, I know, it's, it's I can be like that. intuition I had that, you know what, this is one of those cases where just don't bring it up. She knows you know. She knows you care. 
Right. And because you care, she knows this is why you're acting this way. Well, that's because of the relationship that you've built with her through the last year or so. But there might be some others that think, well, how... How uh, insensitive. How insensitive <laughs> that for them to, to act as though nothing has happened. And so that Including must be... Me. Right. I mean, I'm, just, yeah. I'm listening to this conversation with us right now. And this is finally, I'm finally... This is like therapy for me because I'm realizing <laughs> I'm not, I'm even judging myself. I was, I was judging myself. Like, I can't believe I didn't say anything, but I just didn't feel right to say something. I don't know. Maybe it's just my own discomfort that I'm not saying anything and my own avoidance. So if you're listening to this and you just listen to this podcast because you want to learn about techniques of training and, and, and health uh, and how exercise is related to that. So why, why, why this conversation? How is this going to help me? You might ask yourself if, if I'm not a trainer or I don't have a trainer. Well, at first, I think Josh talk, uh, hit on something, and that is knowing whether you should work out or not, right? Mm-hmm. We have somebody come in here after maybe some kind of bad news or tragedy, and they might, it might be too soon. They, I know they want to keep their schedule. I know they want to keep their routine. Maybe, maybe not. You have to make that judgment as a trainer to say to somebody, hey, maybe, maybe today's not the day. Let's let's. Let's sit down. Let's have a cup of coffee. No charge. Let's just sit down, talk for a second, and we'll, I'll see you next week. Other times, you might say to yourself as, a, as an instructor uh, confronted with this particular person, say, you know what? Let's go in there. Let's work out. Let's not talk. Let's just get this thing over. Let's just do it. Let's just focus on the workout. That'd be the best thing for you. I mean, let's face it. This is meditation. A high-intensity workout right. done properly. I had one client who I love to death. He's one of, he's definitely somebody I admire and has influenced me in a lot of ways. Very successful businessman and has a great mental fortitude, has great mental fortitude, uh, discipline. And he knows himself. He's just a guy I admire. And I remember him saying to me, I love this workout because it's the only time in my week that I am concentrating on just one thing. Mm-hmm. for 20 minutes it's amazing it's freeing for him and i was like wow here's a guy who's very disciplined in his life always he always has his stuff together and he's saying that this is the thing that he has that keeps him totally focused on one thing and one thing only so coming from him that was like a big statement so i get sometimes you might want to just do that with somebody has this, all this stuff going on in there. I remember during a financial crisis, especially in Man- Manhattan, mm-hmm. when I had guys that worked for Lehman Brothers, guys that worked for Bear Stearns, uh, coming in, and I'm thinking these guys are going to cancel left and right, and gals for that matter, and they weren't. Matter of fact, they looked crappy. They looked beat up, but they came in and said, Thank God I have this. I also think it's very important to maintain, to, to remember that it's it's good to make people laugh and to feel, you know, like they're having a good time. I mean, that's how we kind of, you know, we're, we're like a family environment at in Toluca Lake and make people have a good time because I've recently heard, uh, even in that Secret Life of Fat book and in some things that Gretchen Rubin's podcast and things, they've done thing, uh, studies about people who watch a funny movie or laugh about something and they actually become stronger, you know, like they can maintain a little longer. So it's like, I think it's important to keep that mood like fun 
and happy. And that's kind of what we try to do. And, you know, and then the clients are kind of competing with each other and things like that. So we try to keep that environment like a fun place to, so that they want to come in and, and they know they'll be uplifted. Yeah, you know, good point. Levity in the face of a very intense workout <laughs> could, be very, <laughs> could be very helpful. Just not while they're in the middle of a set. Agreed. Not when you're in no. failure, do I need no. to laugh. I'm guilty That's of that. Yeah. I, I, oh, no. I think we might all be guilty of that. I am so guilty of like saying something to a client while in the middle of a set and yeah. it cracks them up and they laugh. And, and they're like, lose oh, momentum. Oh, and Why did I just say that? That was the dumbest <laughs> thing I just did. Yes, we've done that. But agreed, you know? though, as a client coming in, I love the levity. I love the, the family atmosphere that can only be achieved through connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that that's one of the the reasons I like to keep coming back is because of that connection, those friends, that community that you instill over there in, in Toluca Lake and I'm sure at all the other locations as well. Well, it's important. It's a bit of irony because it is a very serious, intense workout, 20 minutes in and out. We're not wasting your time. Uh, it's not necessarily a coddling thing. At the same time, you know, we, we're, we should all be excited that we're, first of all, as, as instructors, we're doing incredible work and, and we should be very, uh, I don't know, for me, it's very fulfilling to do this kind of work, very, very rewarding. But also, uh, it's fun. And, and we, in a way, even though it's a serious workout, we're rejoicing in, in this fact, <laughs> in this right. idea mm-hmm. that we're getting incredibly strong and healthy from a 20-minute thing, mm-hmm. you know? Whether it's Informed Fitness or any of the other great practitioners out there that are understanding brief, intense workouts are, are, are where it's at. You know, and uh, there is there is joy in that. There's, <laughs> there yeah. is rejoicing. There is fun. There, you know, we're we're you know we have lightning in the bottle, and I almost feel like it's still a lot of people. It's still a secret, in a way. And I feel like we're in this. I don't want it to be this way. I want the whole mainstream to be understanding this. But in the meantime, you know, I feel like I'm in I'm in a, an exclusive club. <laughs> You know, for sure. But we're in the know. We know something that nobody else does. Um, but there's too much at stake to keep this a secret. Right. You know, there's so many people not working out at all because they think they have to do everything. There's people uh, working out too much and, 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 and listening to advice that, you know, intensity at all costs and more is better. And you got all that, all those problems. So um, not only are we helping one person at a time, but wouldn't it be unbelievable if, if all of a sudden the as a society, the paradigm shift is what we're doing and everyone understands less is more, that would be fantastic. Again, for the person that's listening to this that doesn't have a trainer, that's not a trainer, your emotions are important. Your emotions when you go into a workout are really important and, and it's okay to miss a workout if you're just not mentally up for it. That's okay. Yeah. It's a once or twice a week thing anyway. So it's, it's not like you're going to, you know, lose all your gains, so to speak, if you, if you miss, you know, your Monday workout. Matter of fact, you know, if you're an emotional wreck and you try to do it, you might lose focus, you might get hurt because you don't have right. the focus. Uh, it, it'll be a subpar workout. It's just, it's just not something that you necessarily have to do just because it's your day and you want to keep your routine and you don't want to think about it. So how much of this do you bring into your training, Adam, when when people are being certified, uh, this component of managing the relationship? I end up talking about this kind of stuff a lot, and sometimes to the detriment of all the 
technical stuff that needs to be taught also. <laughs> like sometimes, you know, the, our workshop will go by, two days of the workshop will go by, and I'll find that we we talked a lot about these types of things. And then I realized, oh, darn, I didn't go over glycolysis with you guys, did I? <laughs> <laughs> well, know? one of the number one and, things uh, you tell us that's is... That's on the test, so you need to know about glycolysis yeah, here. So One of the number one things you always tell us and teach us is to connect with that client. You, you, must, you know, we have to connect with the client in order That's to, great. you know, understand yeah. what their needs are and to be able to, to design the workout for them to so make it work for them. Yeah, the client, I can just speak for myself, we don't want a robotic experience. Uh, so again, that's where the, the lines come in, the blurred lines, like where, how, how, how close uh, are, are the informed fitness trainers supposed to get to the clients? Like, would you encourage outside activities with between the trainer and the client? Is that something that, that shouldn't be approached? Or is there a, a definite yes or no answer to something like that? I, I think, honestly, that one of the most critical things that we have to embrace at Inform Fitness, and I, I, I think that this is more true than it is for conventional exercise personal trainers, is that I work with every client to teach them about mindfulness and self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Okay, And this isn't just about a, a philosophical abstract idea of mindfulness. It is about being conscious of what is going on so that your mind controls the pattern of thought throughout a stressful situation. So that there's judgment removed from what's going on associated with pain or discomfort. And instead, the mind is able to be focused purely on breathing, focused on what muscles are being used, focused on the position of the shoulders relative to the hips. And the goal ultimately is to create maximized performance. There's, there's just a tremendous amount of research that's been done in the last 30 years or so about mindfulness training for top performance and, and top athletes. And the relationship between the head and the body is overwhelming. I mean, that's something that I think we commonly understand to be true. But the mental game, the mental component, and the mental skill set of what we're trying to help inform fitness clients achieve is the level of awareness of what their body is doing and a level of calm devoid of anxiety when they start to feel the anxiety build, when they start to feel the tension build in their body, to be calm in the moment, to focus purely on letting go of the results, and instead let the results be what they are, and instead just be calm and, and focused on breathing, presence, and that's about it. So outside of that, I would suggest that the relationship that we build and, and the sort of contact that we build with our clients, is, as Adam talks about, is something that is being very conscious of the fact that we are instructors, okay? I, I sort of pull back a bit when someone refers to me as a trainer. I'm not training anyone. I'm instructing someone on how to be calm in a time of high stress and tension. Outside of that piece, the physical benefits follow, but the mental piece has to be there at least at a, at a basic level in order for them to build to a point, because without that, intensity can't come. In every consultation, I, I encourage clients to follow what I have found, and that is this is a purely meditative and monastic time. You're in a very intimate environment where it's very calm and very peaceful. So to connect yourself with the environment such that you are focused entirely on just a handful of things. 
the phone, the iPad, the computer, the children, the family, the job, the dead car, all the things that are bothering us emotionally when we walk in the door, they stay at the door of the studio. They do not come in. They're not allowed. Everything in the studio is purely the relationship between the instructor and the client and what the client is focused on doing at any given exercise. The idea of staying focused, the idea of working out when the conditions are good. Don't use the excuse not to work out every time you have a little bit of strife. You know, then you know they can very easily say, "Oh, I'm not in the mood today," and, and Adam said it's okay if you're not in the mood. If you're emotionally having a hard time, I'm not going to work. And then use it as an excuse not to work out. Obviously, that uh, sometimes you have to kick yourself in the pants and, and, and pull yourself up at the bootstrap and say, "Adam, go work out right now. Do it and focus and and and, and try to be meditative. Try to block out all that stuff." Which is exactly what meditation is supposed to be also, right? You know, you're focusing on one thing and, and, and understanding that if while you're working out or while you're meditating, things break through that you don't want to have breakthrough, acknowledge it and move on and keep going and bring it back. Bring it back to what you're there for. And sometimes as a trainer, we have to understand that uh, the best thing we can do is get out of our client's way and I think sometimes we, we are too emp empathetic. We try to be more empathetic and, and we end up not giving them what they need, which is a really good kick butt workout uh, that, that doesn't allow all these distractions to come in and helping them really focus. Adam, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think what we're really looking at when we speak about the example that you used earlier with a client who had suffered a death in the family, where you were judging your yourself by not being more empathetic, not offering you know, your, your, your sympathies for the loss. The truth is that if, if we're doing our jobs effectively as instructors, that's entirely placing the client's needs ahead of our own. Okay, We each have an innate need to want to sympathize, to want to offer our sympathies whenever someone suffers a loss or a stressful period of time emotionally. But the long-term consequence of that is that we blur those lines. When those lines and those boundaries stay clear is when I'm placing the client's needs ahead of my own, as you did by recognizing that your client is going to most benefit from not talking about something that she talks about probably the other 23 and a half hours out of the day. My wife Instead, has to hear this. Hear that, honey? <laughs> I somebody else's needs above mine. <laughs> So then, then the goal is making sure that you know the client well enough to understand what is going to be most conducive to getting her through a really productive workout. That's when an instructor really is showing his or her mettle, when they're able to put the client's needs ahead of their own. And luckily, our workout is only the 20 minutes or 30 minutes, so you can completely focus. You can completely, you know, you don't have to think about, I have to go in there for an hour and, you know and not think about this or not think about that email or phone call or terrible thing that just happened. So that's what's so great about our workout for anybody who's listening and want to give it a try. It's a short and reprieve. Just as, uh, you know, just as effective. And yes, um, it's a very cathartic thing to just say, okay, for that, for the next 20 minutes, I'm just going to focus on me. The truth is that it, when we talk about rest is, is a good segue. Okay. When we talk to clients about you only have to work out once or twice a week, I actually suggest to clients that you may only work out once or twice a week. 
It's not, you don't have to do it more than once a week. You may not do it more than once or twice a week. So then when they walk in with any kind of emotional stress or whatever it is that's bothering them when they walk in the door, I tell them, you may not bring it in here with you. This isn't your opportunity to not think about it. It is, I am absolutely demanding of you that you leave this at the door. You can pick it up on your way back out, but during the 30 minutes that you're here, you're focused solely on what it is that we're doing together. Question that comes up very often with me and, and, and clients of ours, when we talk about how you shouldn't be working out so often, like you know, once or twice a week, and each workout is 20 minutes, how do you respond to the client that says, but I need exercise for stress relief, and, and I'm afraid once a week for that purpose is not enough? How do, you, how do you respond to that saying, you know, I want to come three, four times a week, but you're telling me not to. And, I, and part of, for me anyway, they'll say, exercise is really, you know, I need more for stress relief. You know, you tell me I shouldn't do anything else or, you know, I can't, you know, come here more than once and it's only 20 minutes. And, you know, I don't know if this is for me. I think that's a healthy question to ask, but I, I think that the simple answer is something that we preach very heavily at Inform Fitness, and that is creating a very clear line between what constitutes exercise versus what constitutes recreation. So with, with every client, I encourage them to walk, run, bike, swim, whatever it is that they enjoy doing that provides them some physical benefits, but that's not the primary purpose behind what they, why they do it in the first place. People who, who run regularly, at, at some point, they cease to do it purely for the physical benefits. They do it for the endorphin rush. They do it for the stress management. They do it because they disconnect from the world around them. That's good stress management. So stress management from the physical manifestations, how it builds up our blood pressure, how it builds up muscle tension, those are all things that we can address concretely here at Inform fitness. But recreationally, those are the things that I encourage clients to deal with. If they really want to do some good stress management techniques, get outside, go for a walk, take your dog out, take your kids out to a park, do something that's going to provide stress management and be recreational in the process. That's good mental health. Josh, do you, do you have trouble um, separating the different hats you wear? Uh, do, do you find yourself acting like a psychologist with your clients from time to time? Do you catch yourself? Well, yes, but having said that, I, I think it's more of an asset for me in the long run, simply because I'm relying on my clinical expertise and education to be able to keep clients focused on what it is that I want them to do. I let my expertise and, and my experience influence the way that I navigate a relationship with a client, but I never sit down and say, step into my office and <laughs> tell me about your mother. That's not the purpose of what we're trying to do here. Um, but it, I, I think that the point simply is that in any environment, when you're when you're working as a therapist or as an instructor, the goal is going to be to keep the client focused on a specific set of goals. In the studio with Inform Fitness, that specific set of goals is entirely about getting the absolute best performance that I can get out of the client for a thirty-minute stretch at a time, so that they're deeply fatiguing the muscles and achieving a level of intensity that's appropriate for what it is that I'm asking them to do. That environment is totally different in a correctional setting or in a therapist's office or something like that. But ultimately, the drive towards achieving those goals, whatever those goals may be, is the same. Like I've always said, there's definitely a psychology involved in training people. 
Tremendous amount. And and like Sheila pointed out, you know, it's so important to make as as an instructor to make that connection. Because I, I know I know plenty of instructors that are technically very good. They can put somebody through an incredible workout. But the experience overall for the, the client is is left flat. Robotic. They don't feel a connection to the person that may seem like they're just dialing it in as good as they are. So you can be the greatest technical instructor in the world if you're not making that connection, if you're not figuring out how to motivate to inspire this person to do what is arguably a very, very hard thing to do, even for just 20 minutes, you know, you're not, you're not going to succeed. You're not, you're not going to be able to, to, to really help these people because they're not going to stick with it. They're not going to want to see you. <laughs> you know, you know um, so there's definitely that psychology. That's really important. So I, I don't want people to misunderstand that, that psychology isn't involved in being a good instructor, uh, knowing people, uh, listening, being a good listener and hearing what they're saying, but also knowing what not to say sometimes, you know, is also very important. And just to be a listener, you know, and, and, and not be so full of yourself and think that you're going to be able to solve all their problems. Uh, the best thing you can do for them, the best thing I think that I can do for them in times like that is to really uh, even more so double down on, on the quality of the workout at that moment hmm. and even pull back even more from a, from a friend uh, position and, and almost, almost like a tough love type of thing saying, hey, come on, let's go in there. Let's leave every, this is for you right now. This is for you right now. Let's go in there and just do it. And, uh, you know, and even if you're training yourself to, to maybe have that same attitude sometimes, to let it go. When you, when, when you sit down in that machine or you pick up that barbell, you know, take a deep breath, visualize, let it go, and do the job. Be in the moment and do the job. Many thanks to Inform Fitness trainer and clinical psychologist Joshua Cagney for joining us here on the Inform Fitness podcast. Hey, if you're in or around the Washington, D.C. area and would like to have Joshua as your high-intensity strength trainer, head on over to informfitness.com, click on the Reston, Virginia location, and request Josh. You'll also find six other Inform Fitness locations across the country, and you'll see Adam's blog, Inform Fitness videos and every single episode of the Inform Fitness podcast there at informfitness.com. Okay, next week, author, award-winning podcaster, and happiness expert, Gretchen Rubin joins us here on the show. Gretchen has a new book coming out titled The Four Tendencies, Learn How to Understand Yourself Better and Also How to Influence Others More Effectively. Utilizing the four tendencies framework, as mentioned in Gretchen's book, we'll discuss how those tendencies might affect how you approach your workout and why exercise is an important component to happiness. Oh, and one last thing before I let you go. Remember, here in May 2017, we are giving away a personally autographed copy of Adam's book, Power of 10, The Once-A-Week Slow-Motion Fitness Revolution, Inform Fitness Apparel in the form of a hat, t-shirt, and a hoodie jacket, and a device to listen to all of the Inform Fitness podcasts, Amazon Music, audiobooks from Audible, and more using the Alexa voice service. We're talking about the Amazon Echo. Now, if you haven't seen the Amazon Echo yet, check out the link in the show notes for a full description and even videos explaining what it does 
and how it works. This is a really cool prize pack worth over 200 bucks. Okay, so what do you have to do? Step one, leave Inform Fitness a review here in iTunes or on Facebook, Google+, Yelp, and even Amazon. If you do, you'll receive a free training session at an Inform Fitness location nearest you. Step two, take a screenshot and email your review to podcast at informfitness.com. That will be your entry into the grand prize drawing for all the items that I just mentioned. So here are the rules. You can only receive one free training session for your reviews. However, you get an entry into the grand prize drawing for each review that you submit, thereby dramatically increasing your chances to win. For instance, if you leave us a review, say here in iTunes, and then one in Yelp and Facebook, you only get one free training session, but three entries into the grand prize. But you better get on it. You must get those emails to us by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, May 31st, to qualify for the free session and the grand prize. The winner will be announced on our Monday, June 5th episode here on the Inform Fitness Podcast. So good luck, and thanks again for joining us. For Sheila Melody, Mike Rogers, and Adam Zickerman of Inform Fitness, I'm Tim Edwards with the Inbound Podcasting Network.